What's going on? Everybody, you've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Go. I am the friendly neighborhood cartel. And I am signed in slab. <laughs> I love it. Clearly that was rehearsed. <laughs> we are we are here, if you didn't catch that, with signed and slabbed. Uh, a gentleman that is very, very present in the hobby. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Coming to you from the great state of Texas. It's bigger than France, by the way. So all the all of you ice hockey people need to understand that. Um, one other thing I wanted to get out of the way early on. Look, I have great hair, probably best hair in the hobby. It's a little uncomfortable to talk about it. I don't use conditioner. We'll just leave it at that. Okay, boys? Well, this is, this is Toronto, home of both flows. We can respect and appreciate that. Certainly the best hair in this uh, group here. So congratulations on that. That's, uh, that is without a doubt. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I will tell you, when I, when I told my son I was doing this, he knew who you were. And he's like, that guy's mustache is like 10. I and appreciate I'm like, yeah. it. So you've you got some mustache followers out there. Keep it up. Yeah, yeah. So you know, powerful. I've actually it, it, it depleted my beard. It was so powerful. <laughs> I've had a few people be like, yo, can you make videos on like how you do it? Yeah. I'm like, I just feel like that's too far. <laughs> you know, like save it for November, right? Save it for November. <laughs> yeah. So. so let's talk a little bit about how, first of all, how did you get signed in Slab? You know, like where does the name come from? Yeah. So um you know, look, I've been collecting cards since about 1983 when I was a kid. Um, and then in the last I've been I've been doing sign and slab really as kind of a business since the end of July last year. I've been in corporate America working in the energy derivatives and trading space for about 25 years and was just kind of tired of the grind and um, had always done cards and autographs as sort of a side hustle. And so when I started looking at doing it full time. I was trying to come up with a name that I thought would be catchy. And like my original eBay name was Bounce, which is, you know, pretty good IP, I guess, for original eBay world, but like websites and other things wasn't able to get. So I was like, well, okay, the, you know, most of what I do, I, it has been centered around autographs. Um, but, you know, I, I love signed cards, signed memorabilia. I love anything kind of in slabs you know, cards or even, even eight by tens or other stuff, tickets, everyone hates tickets now, but yeah, like, yeah. I love them slabbed up. So Not was, everything. Yeah. And so I was like, look, you know, signed and slabbed that that'll cover everything I'm trying to do because everything I want is going to end up something like that um, sooner or later. So that's how I came up with it. Felt like it was a pretty catchy name that people would remember. And so, you know, it was available on IG, it was available on Twitter, it was av I have the website. So I was like, that just kind of, my corporate backing sort of was telling me I need to try and find something that, you know, not necessarily entirely trademarkable, but, you know, something beyond just, you know, David's awesome collection. Like yeah, that would have probably it, worked, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to like that cohesion all the way through, right? Like. Yeah. 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 So that's how it started. So I've been doing this full time since July. Um, and, you know, look, we participate in a lot of signings. Uh, I do some selective kind of buying and selling of cards. 
I, you guys have seen, I've been doing the project Flip to the Grail, which we can talk about a little bit later. Um, but just, you know, I, I, my collection itself really runs down kind of every stream you can think of. And so I would, you know, I'm involved in a lot of different things, not, not as deep in all of them, but I mean, my, if you came to my place and saw my collection, like I got a little something for everybody. So, so Dave, uh, I love the fact that you brought us back to the eighties. I can head back at some point to the eighties. I don't think Brendan can. No. However, um, getting us back to the eighties, look, collectors love signed things. Collectors love slabbed things. The other day I, I reposted, someone had posted a, a setup at a show from 1988. It really brought me back. Yeah. Before there was plenty of signing. There wasn't a lot of slabbing. Right. 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 Um, it was a hallmark of shows and conventions was autographs going back to the, the 50s and, and beyond. Yeah, um, there was a lot of demand. There always has been on some level. When did you notice that shift towards the importance of authenticity and the slabbing? When did that start happening? Yeah, so for me, you know, and being one of those older, older collectors, like I resisted the slabbing um, bit for a long time. And I also resisted the authenticity bit for a while because I, since I was an in-person autograph seeker, like we knew the, we knew current player autographs better than anybody else could have possibly known it. Right. And so, and in my mind, it was like paying PSA or anyone else 10 bucks or 15 bucks to put a sticker on a Kobe photo that I got signed myself just seemed dumb. Yeah. But what I, what I then began to discover, and I, and I think it's true today, even in our current market, um, you know, the overwhelming number of people that exist in the market are not in that fully educated mode. And, and you guys have probably heard me say this before um, when I've done mail days, et cetera. One of, the, one of the main premises that I actually talk about all the time in the hobby is I think the hobby is lazy and yeah. I think it's always been lazy. Yeah. Right? The, everyone want, they want free advice or they, they want you to tell them what to do versus putting in the work. And like you guys as fitness professionals, it's the same way. Listen, I'd love to have a six pack. And the reason I don't have it is because I won't do the work. Yeah. I'm, I'm lazy. So yeah. the, the hobby's lazy that way. And, and so when that kind of clicked with me, I was like, all right, that's why this stuff starts to make sense because it gives people who don't want to do the work a level of comfortability around what they're spending. So yeah. on the autograph side, I started getting more comfortable with it in kind of the you know, 2005, 2006 timeframe. Um, and then on the slabbing side of cards, I started just, I had to kind of accept that's where the market had gone. Um, and, and that for me was probably around, I don't know, 2012, 2014, somewhere in there is when I was like, all right, this is, the trend is in, like, we're going to move this way. Although it is, I mean, we've seen, some people are going back to collecting raw cards. Yeah, but a little bit of a, it's a different discussion, but but that's yeah. an interesting it's an interesting perspective because it did it probably did at the time seem like a bit of a cash grab. Yeah, um, and 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 and, and a kind of an opportunistic thing for these uh, authenticity companies. But you know, given the fact that I was around in the '90s, given the fact that I would stay up late and watch Don West hawking certain goods right. uh, towards yeah. me. And I became a little bit more aware of, first of all, the value that was involved right. in a lot of this stuff, the, the, the numbers that were starting to come up. And the fact that up until that point, like you said, it was the realm of experts um, taking people's word 
uh, and it was a bit of an unregulated Wild West scenario. Would you say that what, you know, there, there had to be some tipping point. And I would imagine it might have been that mass marketing in the 90s, right? Because at that point, I'm seeing people just kind of sign the paper as their authenticity. I say it's good to go. I believe it was scoreboard. That was one of the first controversies in the industry, correct? Yeah, uh, that, one of many, yeah. You know, and so at that point, it's actually, you know, person in the hobby, but who's very well loved now. Still, yes. <laughs> and uh, so the, the reality is that you, you need some sort of standardized authentication with, yeah. with no matter what that might bring with it, because yeah, I mean, if you're not, unless you're transacting with another expert, because I would tell you, like, I do still do those deals with people that I know and they'll do them with me because they know Right. They knew that I had the right sort of expertise and or they were things that were coming out of my own personal collection that I was just like, I'm not, why would I bother to, I never really thought about selling this. So why would I authenticate it? Yeah. Um, right. But now correct me if I'm wrong, one authentication versus the other is going to enhance value at this point. So it's not even about authentication. It's about enhancement. Is it? Not? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and look, there's been a trend and I think you've seen this with a lot of high-end items and, and we did this um, at Science Lab on a couple things. We went ahead and got authentications from PSA, JSA, and Beckett on certain really high-end items because, you know, again, each of those groups are, are, they have specialties in certain areas, but, you know, when you, if you can get all three of them to agree that something really is, really is what it appears to be, that I think kind of puts you at another level of comfort and again, makes it easier for people that don't necessarily want to do the research to be able to come in and, and, and collect and, and invest in, in certain types of autographs and memorabilia in the hobby. So, I, you know, to me, it, it, it's ultimately worked out, I think, like it should. But, yeah, I mean, you still have there's still some people I work that I talk to every week that don't like it and don't care about it, quite frankly. And like, that's OK. Right. You see the same thing with cards. You yeah. and especially yeah. in shows, you always have this contingent of generally older gentlemen who are just disdainful. They just hate the concept of grading. Yeah, yeah uh, they hate potential benefit it may have. Right. Um here, here so so here's a question, right? We've gotten to this point where authentication is, I don't know, as standardized as we can hope it yeah. to be at this yeah. point, and reliable as we can hope it to be. What's the deal? with the fact that I'm going to be Jerry Seinfeld for what's the deal with an autographed game used Jersey, you know, versus these, these small squares that we're collecting that are manufactured by tops and upper deck. What do you think the mental block is there? Is it the portability? What is it? Why, why are we not paying as much attention to autographed pieces of history or even like even an actual, you know, a game kit, not necessarily game used versus these cards. And I should also mention really quickly, adding to that, I mean, a lot of the times on these cards, it's not even from the actual player. It's not game worn. Like some of the biggest sets. In the case of memorabilia. Some of the biggest sets have nothing to do with, I mean, Luca's like $5 million card. He never wore that jersey. You know, like. So what's what's the mental block? What's going on here? So I think part of it, is you hit on it a little bit it's the portability and it's the size of it right so like a a game used jersey you can't carry it around in your pocket and you generally wouldn't (laughs) wear that out to the game 
right? right? Like I don't, I don't know about other people. And I have some really cool game use jerseys of guys that I love. I've never tried on my JJ Watt jersey. It just wasn't something that occurred to me to do. Okay. And so part of it is a display issue, I think, where, you know, especially with game use jerseys, uh, historically, a lot of people would have like framed it and yeah. put it up on their wall. Right. But like I can tell you from my experience, finding like a nice, like retail store mannequin and putting the jersey on that to give it the three-dimensional depth when you show it to somebody that way it it's a whole different emotion and it's a whole different connection but the problem is like we all don't live in you know 18,000 square foot houses with an entire floor devoted here to your collection right. i mean i'm working way. on that i don't know about you guys i mean i i'm working on that but that that's not the typical collection. Like literally impossible in toronto yeah and so <laughs> toronto, i think that, that i think that's part of it but then i also think again it's a little bit on the education side there are people that are still afraid that even something that may have like an nba jersey or an nhl jersey that had come through may gray that is it is it really game worn right and that and so i just think that 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 hangs a lot of people up because it's another level of education that they just don't have yeah. and so the card makes it easier now i i can't explain to you why the hobby as a whole has sort of has sort of allowed this like you know game this sort of touched jersey or because it was funny we had i had adrian peterson in the shop or in this in the in the office earlier in the week we did we got had him sign some stuff right and um we were we asked him some of those questions he was like you know yeah that i'd sit there that put a jersey on and take it off and i'd sign some stuff and then i'd put a jersey on and take it off and i'd sign some more stuff just like this is so insane like why would anyone care about that um it's like and the draft pick, uh, the draft pick photo shoots right yes 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 yeah. yes the, the that's the perfect example of it um, well, see, when i was younger I, I i loved you know displaying baseballs and pucks if we're talking portability that's not a huge issue my, my prize yeah, yeah. was my clemens signed ball it wasn't a game used ball right but again thinking back to that point in collecting these were random coas that could have been made it at home by anyone. I was really thrown when I started reading about the fake mantles that had been distributed. Right, right. By uh, familiar people and familiar faces. Um, But, you know, right around, I I guess my point of reference in hockey is 95, is when we start to see these, you know, upper deck products coming out pre-authenticated. And you have this connection with this company, Upper Deck, you trust them. And it's pre-authenticated. So at that point, so as of right now, correct me if I'm wrong, is is JSA PSA is essentially the industry leader, I would imagine, right? Is that to me, PSA and JSA, um, not a ton of difference. PSA is a little better because they can slap it. Is JSA it. just a, an offshoot of PSA or is it a separate company? Uh, no, James, JSA, that's- yeah, James Spence originally worked at PSA and and then jumped off maybe at the end of his deal or something. And, and I feel like they're not, they're not necessarily hostile towards one another. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. And they have, they have similar, you know, they've both been moving more to this like witness sort of concept. 
So, I mean, they'll still uh, like in the current signings, it's usually one or the other. And and then and Beckett is the other Beckett authentication. They're okay. also, I, I can yeah, yes. them okay. Um, you know, the way the hobby, I think, kind of ranks them. PSA is the top. JSA on certain items might actually be the top. I actually think JSA may know some of the historical baseball stuff a little bit better because that really was what what Jimmy had, or James had kind of that was really his specialty when he was there. Um, and and then look, you know, you can feel however you want about the guys at Beckett, but um, you know, I they do a good job. Yeah, I think, and I, I've never hesitated to get them to authenticate things yeah. for me. The JSA guys are also super nice at shows. Uh, yes, yes, they interact. Yes. They, uh, if you're, they're buying from you, they use U.S. dollars, which we love here in, in okay. Connecticut. Yeah, and look, the PSA guys are too. If you're ever at a show and want to get something done there, I mean, the guys that come to our shows in Houston or the, the ones that I've met at the other places, they're really good. They're very knowledgeable, and a lot of them were um, in-person autograph seekers too. So it's not they're not just making it up. They know because they were there with pens in hand hand it to the athletes so awesome. i'm gonna i'm gonna slyly slide uh into something here because again like 10 15 years ago pe people are forgetting uh there was a lot of uh we're gonna touch on some recent events here one of the recent events was some arguments about tickets game use tickets um which i'm pretty sure brendan has a pile of i have a pile of okay Tons. we may not be dedicated to them in a collecting sense but we've got them Tons. 10 yeah. 15 years ago i saw them at shows i saw people buying them I saw yeah. people excited about them. It's not brand new. Didn't come yeah. with the pandemic. Yeah. Same deal with autographs when it comes to the fact that the point I was trying to get at is we've got JSA, we've got PSA, we've got Beckett, we've got these authenticators, which we didn't have pre-95 when we started to see these cards in packs manufactured. Um, I would have guessed there would have been more confidence. And I actually was thinking there was going to be a boom in these sectors with the fact that you can now present them a bit more with the attributes of collecting, you could put a ticket in a slab and you can authenticate yeah. a baseball or, or a hockey puck. But yeah. We weren't really seeing that. Now, however, in this new market, which happened as a result of you know many factors, including the pandemic, everything kind of had its time in the sun. And yeah. some still having its time in the sun. So talk to us a little bit about that impact, what you saw, you lived it, right? You lived it in 2019, right. 2020, that transition. And let's yeah. talk about tickets a little bit, because I know that you, you're, you're friendly with some people in that market. Um, we should not lump everyone together. There's a, there's a gentleman on very active on Twitter, as opposed to IG, uh, Darren Ravel, who he should not be lumped in with all the people who talk about tickets because they don't quite approach it the same way, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. No. Um, and I want your opinion on it. Was it a pump and dump? And you know, when I asked that question, I'm making no implication whatsoever. Right. So, no, I, talk yeah. to us a little bit so for me, about that, that transition. Yeah. For me, it's simple. It was, it's not a pump and dump. Anyone who's been here for more than a minute knows Darren Ravel has been collecting tickets longer than anyone you can think of. I, I mean, it's just a fact. And Darren is, Darren has come on a number of times and explained why he likes the tickets. And so, you know, and, and look, People that have people that had sort of initiated some of that, you know, hissy fit fight were saying things like that they weren't collectible or, you know, it wasn't in somebody's hand. And, and like that sounds to me like someone that wasn't going to games yeah. because similar to you guys, yeah. I have piles at my house Crazy. of Houston's te Houston Texans tickets back to yeah. 2002. And 
I don't, you know, I don't throw them away, but I, I mean, I'd like one ticket to every game that I went to. And, you know, some of them were more meaningful than others. But I think, and so when you, when you think, when you try to think through logically about how the ticket sector sort of works, and, and I think, you know, Patrick Ryan has done a good job of ex- trying to explain this to people before. When you were pre that kind of ticket broker era that, that really sort of sprung up, let's say, you know, in the 2000s, you know, it's right. like yeah. where the, the majority of your season tickets were actually in the hands of ticket brokers. Prior to that, and I'm sure there were still ticket brokers, but it, it wasn't, you know, guys, it just wasn't the same thing. Um, when you get back to tickets in the 90s and earlier, I mean, unless it was like a Cal Ripken's last game or something where everyone was expecting it and kind of knew it was coming, the probability of a, you know, what, 20,000 seat NBA arena, A, being full and B, everyone making it home with their ticket is zero. Intact oh, too, you totally. know, like. Right. And, and so, and you may have seen, you know, I called a couple of these people out about it and, and used an example. I was like the Wilt Chamberlain hundred point game, right? Well, there's like six or seven of them. Okay. Wow. Well, are, 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 we, are we to believe now that 60 years later after that happened, that uh, first of all, it's pretty well documented. Less than 5,000 people were in attendance at the game, right? Presumably half those people-ish were cheering for the other team. So yeah, no you idea. Think, you think they were like, man, this yeah, is awesome yeah. that Will just dropped a drop. I'm going to keep this ticket forever. <laughs> it's a great memory, you know? like Yeah, and how many of those people were, had bookies and were gambling, and they were like, this? <laughs> so yeah, you know. this idea that now – and so in unique moments, unique events like that, I just, guys, there's no way the pop counts on these are going to double and triple and quadruple, right? E- even, you know, Michael Jordan debut game, and, and I don't want to necessarily talk about debut, but I want to use it yeah. as an example of where, like, how, what should, you know, how many of them can there really be? What's not, this was what, 1984? As excited as people may have been, like they weren't saying to themselves when Michael Jordan first came in the league, "Oh my gosh, this would be the greatest player in the history of basketball yeah. ever." That that wasn't. A, they were they were excited that they had a new rookie. Yeah, same these, as these elements, Well, he wasn't elements. even like the top rated prospect in UNC, right? Like, well, no, and 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 some could argue. I mean, guys, wasn't he third pick? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who was a bigger deal in 1984? Was it Akeem or was it MJ? Like, I mean, more people realistically knew who Akeem was than they did Jordan. Now that changed quickly, but it's still is a moment in time. And you're like, you're in it. You're at an event. You've got this little piece of paper. Where'd it go? I, I mean, guys, they went in the trash can. That's where most of them went in the trash can. At the game, I, I want to throw think, this out there. I was Being like, a sport, people have this assumption that if you are a sports fan, you are a collector, and I and it is absolutely not the case. That's it right. is not. It does not equivocate. And right. and the reality is, a lot of these collectors that and, and again, they, they may not even be the truest collectors, investors, whatever they are. 
for some reason, I have this mentality that everyone's thinking the same way. And even back in the 80s, we're collecting everything. It's not the case. That's not I, I, did some, I did some research on uh, Gretzky tickets because uh, right around the time that, um, uh, what's his, what's that gentleman's name? Bet, Bet David or uh, Dave, uh, what, the, the, the great Patrick, podcaster. Patrick, Patrick Bet David, I think his name Patrick is. Patrick Bet David uh, made his Gretzky sale. I started looking into the collectibles that I had and that I might have been interested in. You know, those like thin blue old Oilers tickets and old NHL tickets, you, you generally 90% I'm seeing were, were, were torn, right? Yeah. And people are still yeah. slabbing those and getting good, good dollars uh, for some key because Gretzky broke so many records. You could have an right. entire See, So that's what I actually wanted to talk about, but you're going to keep going and then I'm going to talk about my thing too. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, because I, I have found myself in, the, in this past year for the first time ever um, sending tickets out. I have some really interesting stuff that I cannot wait to show off when it comes back. Edmonton Oilers season passes, uh, that sort of thing from the eighties. Um, Maple Leaf tickets are beautiful, Brendan. Am I right? These are some of the nicest tickets in the league, I think. And I remember I attended a a, a game during Matthew's rookie year. I had no idea he was about to break Wendell Clark's record for rookie goals in a season for the Leafs. And so I held on to that. And, why that is so appealing to me. I love that ticket. I might, I'm going to attempt to have Austin sign it with as difficult as it may be, but that to me is just as appealing as my future watch autograph. I mean, that's a piece of Austin Matthews history. It makes complete sense to me. So when people are having this discussion about tickets being collectible, I don't get it. I don't understand. I kind of do understand what's in the background a little bit because by the way, I'm sure you noticed, Dave, a lot of these people who are trying to call out Patrick Ryan, who I, I think they're mistaking passion with pumping and dumping, which is a very easy thing and to I, do, I guess. But, um, right. Patrick and I do a lot of stuff together. And he's another one where I can tell you, for every ticket Patrick may have sold, I would venture to guess he owns 500 other tickets for know. every single one that he sold. There you go. And it seems that way with cards as well. He's, I, I see the transparency. I see the, the passion. For every card Patrick sells, he has 200 other cards. The guy has a continuous case that he keeps, what is it, 100 of the key cards? Come on. Yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's the, yeah. the, the, the yeah. epitome of collecting yeah. in my mind. But just finishing up my point with, uh, I'm a little bit off the beaten path now here. Uh, with the uh, with the, the 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 tickets and the scarcity, now we've kind of gone gone three three different directions here. I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of finish up the the thought here. They're they're confusing passion with the pumping and dumping, and a week yeah. later they're telling us to buy V friends. So I don't understand where this. <laughs> mentality, I don't know if people are just completely not self aware, or if I, there is is it. I've heard someone say, is it? Are we trying to keep money out of one sector so that money can come into my stupid new sector? But I'm getting behind. Yeah, I don't know. Coach Co. for me, it goes back to what I said earlier. People are just lazy. Yeah. It's just yeah. lazy. It's just lazy to and and it look, if you don't, if you don't like a certain collecting lane, that's okay, right? Collect the stuff that you like. And and you know, from the you don't necessarily need to always be so critical of other people. Listen, Darren has a big following. So when he's if he says or if he's gonna sell a ticket or something. Of course, there's always going to be somebody out there looking to just criticize them and trying to find anything he ever said that may or may not have been right. And it's just, it's silly. It's lazy is what it is. And it, and look, if you don't like it, fine, don't talk about it. But, but 
I mean, cartel, you hit it right on the head. How many of these same people were telling you, ooh, ooh V friends, get your get your get your new virtual beanie baby. I, I'm your V friend. It's a new thing now. It's not new. And it's not, I don't know people in sports are not going to collect that stuff. I got news for you. Yeah. Well, that's why I think that's why the, the key difference is if Patrick Ryan or Darren Ravel are showing you something cool and you've decided that you want to investigate it, that they do not have control of that. And, 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 and Patrick Ryan has literally said as much, they don't have control of that. It's the same way. If I, you know, if, if I like new balance shoes and they happen to be associated with something, that's not necessarily my fault. Now, is it, I just like the shoes. Right. I, I, I don't know if that's too subtle think, to throw in there, but no, you're, like, gets, you're, you're just a Rebel fan now because everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm just a pumper of Rebel. But, but, but then, then you have this concept where I am trying to lead you into say, hey, sports card collector, aren't these, these are really limited Gary V cards. Who, right. who cares that they may have been literally swiped from a children's book and look ridiculous? I think that's where it gets dicey. Attention. I think yeah. where it gets dicey with the tickets is that. You know, both of the instances that both of you have talked about have been like uh, feeling something directly towards specific events, right? Like whether that be like watching it on TV, whether that be like like a lead up, like something that reminded you of something that you wish you could have been at, like something along those lines, right? And right. as you mentioned, Dave, people are late, right? So what I see happening right now is that I mean, if I go through my old tickets right now, I probably have like 30 of them, okay? If I was going to go through and check the game list of every single player playing, and I was going to go through and see what milestone each player like was like 100th game, uh, 50th assist, uh, you know, um, broke a power play record for the team in goals. The thing is, every, every, every game, Every year, someone's breaking a new record of some kind. That, like, yeah. ever since statistics has has like become a, a a focal point of our of our lives in terms of like sports through fantasy, uh, you know, through betting apps, through all these things where like we care very much about the relevancy this is towards like the greater scheme of this sport. I think that's where it starts to get dicey because, as you mentioned, and as I mentioned. People are lazy. So I could go into my, my ticket collection and be like, this was uh, Ryan Getzlav's, you know, uh, 100th game. This is um, Carey Price's, you know, uh, 40th win in a season, which was at the time uh, Montreal Canadiens record. It'll and then get that, get that labeled on the slab. And now yeah. all of a sudden that, that ticket is now worth exponentially more even though like it is technically a record, but like it's a, uh, it's, if you look for it, you'll find it kind of situation. Right. right. So, and if I start selling those to lazy people and hyping up stuff like that. And I think the, the real question is where do we draw the line on like a broken record or memorable moments? Right. Because I've seen like Luca's home debut, Luca's away debut, Luca's, right. 1000 well, points you know what i mean like you can keep going and you will be continuing you can keep going forever right it's a personal choice isn't it i mean well and that's what i was going to say isn't the right answer to all of this that why can't we just let the market decide sure and that's kind of what that, i'm getting at right where i'm like 
Why is it that people who I don't even know who that guy you were talking about was? So for me, <laughs> that ticket in a slab, like you wasted fifty bucks, bro. But I agree. Like... <laughs> yeah, and, well, and it's the same are, thing with are like you, certain cards. Are you telling certain me cards nowadays, right? Like I look at like some, you know, like a, you know, I've been seeing tons of Wander Francos that were sold that were sent in yeah. for 150, 300 bucks. And yeah. I look at that, I'm like, that's a giant waste of money, you know, like, but someone's out there paying 200 bucks for a PSA 10 Wander Franco base card right now. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I can I tell people Brian, to the huge in Texas. if someone buys it, then like, obviously you see value in this. Right. And whose fault is it at that point? Right. Like, yes, I don't know. I it's, so again, it, it gets back to, and you know, so the two words I use besides lazy are knowledge and hustle, right? You're going to get out of the hobby what you know and how hard you want to work at it. And, and look, if you, if there's something you don't like, or you don't see the value in it, don't spend your money on it. It's that simple guys. Like, listen, I, I would love to have a Jackie Robinson debut ticket or, or even, even here's a better one. I love the Willie Mays catch photo, right? I'd love to have one of those tickets, but for me, there's no value in it at seven, eight, 10 grand. Yeah. I, not for me, but for somebody else, maybe there is. And listen, that's okay. There's not that many of them. And so the, that, the, the limited supply in the supply-demand equation there is going to drive value. But that's, that's no different than a ticket versus a card. Something else weird that I collect, pennants. I have probably every Baylor University bowl game and other pennant that existed since 1900. It's probably one of the, it's one of my sub collections that I'm proudest of because I've never met anyone else who could compete with my 55 or something pennants. Now, are those valuable to other people? They're probably not valuable to you guys. You didn't go to Baylor. You're not, you don't live in the US, but like there's probably another Baylor person out there who thinks it's cool or another Southwest Conference type collector or just a Texas colleges collector. Yeah. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Uh, with with your uh, with the penance, you're uh, you're really showing your age there, buddy. Now, uh, what what I wanted to say, I collected penance when I was younger. It's it's they one of those cool. things. They were on your wall, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that looked great on a wall, right? Um, uh, I I want I want to get us uh, moving here through all these wonderful things we're going to discuss because you mentioned knowledge and hustle, and I want to talk about lack of knowledge and hustle. So let's get to uh, HGA and fanatics real quick. Um, you know, and, and you already made that little joke that, you know, uh, a, a, an opinion, an, an isolated opinion can be very easily manipulated uh, on social media. So if, if, if I'm out there, now I, I want to make it very clear again, and Dave knows this, I know Brendan knows this, I, I hate all the grading companies in my own special ways. Yeah, of course. I, I, I am not repping anyone no. particular. Anyone that says that, I mean, it's just hilarious because first of all, it's like, get on my feed if you're going to tell me all of my cards are slabbed by PSA. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's so easy to just press a button. Um, uh, and, and just, and just last night, uh, I, I was told that I'm a troll, uh, against HGA because I'm constantly trolling their feed. I went ahead and looked at their feed of 265 posts. I've commented on two of them. So I guess that makes me a troll. Uh, HGA was recently sold. I want to get Dave's uh, opinion on that. Just from yes. the fact, Dave, you are in this Yes, you're in the you're in the hobby and, and you're a voice. And then you have some things to talk to us about when it comes to fanatics, because we've we've already touched on some of the elements with fanatics. We'll get, okay. Let's get a little let's get a little deeper into it. Right. Uh, but, uh, 
let's 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 briefly start with the fact that we've seen all these new grading companies. I want to ask you: Is that something that's happening in the ticket and autograph market? Are more people showing up and saying, "Let let's let us get in on this and make some money"? Or uh, and and then tell you and then tell us how you feel about this HGA thing. Yeah. So I my general view is that the the companies that are trying to come into the slabbing space are, I, I think they're going to have a really tough time. Um, I think that that, and, and it's one of the things that makes cards and collectibles unique is that, you know, absent some pretty sophisticated technology, which we keep, we keep hearing a lot about that. And, and I do actually think kind of the, the facial or photo recognition or the card recognition technology is pretty good, right? And and but we're gonna PSA, see, uh, there's a lot of controversy about that. that. Have they even have they implemented that? Of no, course, I it's think, a great idea. I think they're still testing it yeah. on kind of the front end. Um, as, as and I, I'm I'm speculating. I don't know this 100. percent I've I've heard some discussions about it. Um, I think they've been more testing it on the front end for the identification component of of the grading. So, you know, when you, you fill out your form and you tell them what you think it is, I think they're trying to utilize that technology to have that be sort of a, you know, look at, look, take a picture of your card before it's graded and say, yes, you're right. That is what it, it always blew my mind that Beckett and PSA never got on top of the simple element of serial numbering. Yeah. Like yeah. you couldn't make a note that card number 13 out of 99 yeah. has been graded six yeah. times with six yeah. different grades. Yeah. 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 Um, but so I, the physical nature of cards, I think, is just going to make it difficult for these other grading companies to come. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not a segment of people out there that will still send it to them. And, and look, in the grading space, because we haven't talked about them, SGC has been around for a long time. And long as a, time. As a vintage collector, I would tell you, I have as many tobacco era cards in SGC holders as I do in PSA. And part of the reason that I, that that is true is because PSA, just from my my opinion, based on cards I owned, they were not very good at detecting trimmed tobacco cards. Yeah, that's I would what I still thought. I would still my opinion is that they're still not very good at it. And if I don't, don't know about yeah, I, I, I don't think they're very good with vintage. To be honest, you know, like I really don't think they're very good with vintage. Like I know that everyone wants a PSA wants a PSA graded vintage car, but I'm like, I just don't think they're very good at grading vintage. If I'm being honest, you know, like, I don't think they are a lot of times. Um, they, 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 they're not able to detect some of those micro, um, alterations, let's call it. Um, the, the one, so, the, actually there's, there's two notes I want to throw in on this part of the conversation, gentlemen, is that number one, and if you have any feedback, throw, throw it back at me. Uh, there, that is the standard line with SGC because, again, Dave, in the 90s, I was around. I, yes, SGC was actually the first company I ever graded with back yep. when I had the 1 to 100 scale. And they very solidly had that uh, reputation for the vintage stuff. Not sure that's still the same case here in 2022. Yeah. Uh, given that it's all new management, all new leadership, it's almost like a brand new company. The second yeah. thing with, uh, with PSA and, and the alterations, the thing that I was starting to see in the last couple of months is, almost a swing to the other side where they're almost afraid about oh, they're, what that's what i mean they're just they just don't want they're like i don't want to touch this they're and almost now like, they're just like, like sending back yeah. gretzky's and jordan's yeah. because they don't want to deal yeah. with it yeah 
men size, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, I'm like, they're all different sizes, so I don't understand. So, so I, and I just, you I know? want to throw this out there because yeah. I have a suspicion. Oh God, um, can we, can we, let's talk about that real quick because I'm not so much a hockey aficionado, but like, I would assume the majority of Gretzky's are all a little bit different sized out of the packs, are they not? Based like, on the cuts. In a box, you they'd be the same, or if you had a like factory set type I, stuff. But when you went from case to case, yeah, like, they could be off a little, right? And I, I'm I heavy think so. into I'm heavy into like vintage soccer stickers, and like these things same were made thing. like in a factory in Italy, like in <laughs> 1970, like seven. You know, yeah. they don't yeah. give a flying fuck about how big it is. No. You know, like they're Coach just Coach. like. Is his face on it? Okay, perfect. Yeah. Send Coach it. Coach soccer you know? stickers with uh with and I'm like, like how, mold how do you growing how do you send this back? I, I was like, I don't understand. This was pack pulled. How yeah. the hell are you telling me like what is yeah. what's happening here? You know? So there's stuff, uh, there's stuff growing out of some of Coach Co's soccer cards, but uh <laughs> soccer stickers. But the Gretzky's um, you know, I, it gets to the point where you're gonna be more suspicious of the card when it looks too good or the edges are too clean. Right. Yes. Because like you like you mentioned, there's gonna be so much variance just based on the fact that the the, the, the cutting uh machines were 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 so were so poor back well, then. And people people tend to think too, and this is a good this is a good analogy into the from the tobacco card world. People assume that all these cards are like manufactured and put together and cut and packed all at the same place. And they're not. Like, if you look back at the tobacco cards, there were four or five different factories where these things were being made and they were using different backs and different inks and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So back to the knowledge side, if you really want to know about it, get on the internet, go do your studying, and you can discover right. that stuff. And I, it's got to be the same thing true with tops and panini and i mean as much stuff as they're making it can't all be coming from like that place in west virginia or something yeah right, right? i'm just gonna throw out this opinion here because i have a feeling like brendan probably has uh the vast the most the most the most knowledge and and uh and uh involvement with hga of us all <laughs> i and actually use dave, <laughs> dave and i are the old farts that probably <laughs> the second we saw that hga hype and the label we were like you you guys can can enjoy that i had um, to give it a shot you know people wouldn't <laughs> shut up i was like you know no, what we sure. had a, we I, had him on the it. podcast we had I him on the podcast we, we had we had tyler on the podcast we had him on the so, podcast because i was my, like yo personal, let's let's talk about this you know what i mean yeah. brand new company let's talk about this my my personal opinion i'm just gonna throw it out there i could be absolutely off the path here but i think that a lot of gentlemen starting up companies in this particular era of the, the hobby and, and the industry are creating these companies with a very clear goal in mind to potentially sell them. And no one is talking about this versus all these other, oh, it was going badly. So he had to get out. No, 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 no. I, I'm pretty sure the goal was to uh, have this, this company evaluated at a very high level because of the boom in the industry and sell it. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone wants to deal with it when you're like, that hands-on and homegrown, it's a pain in the ass, hundred percent, right? So he's he's just got what he needed and and moved on. And in my opinion, I think the the sucker in this deal is this company that has acquired what I think is an extraneous grading company. I agree. Point, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, especially because, correct me if I'm wrong, but the people who acquired them have nothing to do with sports cards. Don't know anything about it. It was like a, a, a generational home office type. You know, so I'm like, they're probably looking at this like, oh, these people have all this money on the books, like all this money guaranteed because yeah. they're holding people's cards. Right. Like. Right. And, uh, you know, this is this is the customer base. Like here are the, e- the amount of emails here, are the followers on social channels, all this stuff. Right. And like, you know, from an outsider looking in, maybe wanting to get into the sports card space, like this is how we're going to do it, whatever. Right. Like, I mean, we occasionally see stuff. And, on the news. That's, a, that's a great point. Right. Coach Co. that, you know, the, the money that's really going to be made. And, and we've finally started hearing some of the other influencers talk about this. Um, even, you know, sports card investors talked about this some, the real investment is going to happen on the service side, Yeah. right? Yeah. It's not going to happen on the trying to accumulate this, you know, vault of cards. It's, we want to store them for you. We want to sell them for you. We want to, you know, help you inventory them. We want to help you get pictures and share them and all these subscription-y types of things literally from from pack to sale literally right yeah yes but they're not it's not trying to figure out how do i produce a card yeah and and so that's where i think the the hgas and others like they've they've recognized potentially an opportunity because of what the the backlogs at both Beckett and PSA they were were gifted they were gifted personnel they were gifted you know like clients yeah, they were. And so, but then I think, again, if you go back and look at, let's use SGA as, or as the SGC as the example, right? I think that they were able to get a little bit of the market, but I remember they were already here. Yeah. We knew who they were and they yeah. weren't, they weren't terrible. Maybe they weren't great. They were better at certain things than others. But if someone like that can't capitalize on that movement, why do we believe that somebody new coming in and especially somebody new that doesn't know anything about it really? I just don't have how I don't know how they could have any hope of really being successful there. Th- that new company's only exit is to try to g- build enough revenue to sell it to PSA or Beckett or you, right. you know, maybe that maybe that's the next move. Right. Because PSA kind of did what they did, you know, I think in the and and you know fanatics did what they did kind of buying the the different different uh the different license holders and tops and panini whatever. I still think Beckett's going to be the company that we're going to be talking about here pretty soon because I think if they're going to really be in the space where they want to be, they're going to have to sell to somebody that can invest money and get them back up the technology curve and get them to the production scalability that they need to be at to continue to remain relevant. Um, I think as, 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 I think much as, a, as much as we've been criticizing Beckett, yeah. that's a great point. Yeah, I, I think it's right. just a matter of production. You're right. Like they just yeah. they, they have they, they they have the people who want to. They just have to make it scalable, right? Like it's yeah. just not scalable. They got right now. they got it's the not, name. They got the name. They got the name. Now it's interesting because that Pat and I have been talking about this some. Um, you know, the first thing we think someone should do if they were to purchase Beckett is to rebrand it. They've got to rename it, rebrand it, and then and and kind of, we think, transition away from that Beckett idea and, and really let that be the heritage of the new rebranded company. But uh, anyway, it's going to be interesting to see. It's, that so no, more, no more black labels? <laughs> well, yeah. So, 
you know, that's you, you just touched on. And, and, and I, and, you know, I got to give credit where it's due, Dave, but Pat Ryan was talking about that a long time ago. It's all about the fact that these guys are creating these companies and it's the services. And uh, if I recall correctly, he was also putting it out there that a lot of these guys are going to fail spectacularly yeah. or potentially, if not fail completely, but lose money. Well, Starstock yeah. is still holding people's cards hostage. Like, so again, there you go. One employee, right? Yeah. One yeah. employee, one uh, employee. Uh, do, do you do we remember the com c backups and lost cards because oh, i do gosh yeah do, do, you know we saw all these companies even the quote-unquote most professional amongst them like psa fall into backlogs not be prepared caught with their pants down in my opinion i i, I look you have to sympathize to a certain level but at the same time these are big companies that they were offering a product or a service and they weren't able to come through so i don't understand why i'm supposed to be that sympathetic and it's still happening today uh, and in a lot of cases, it's kind of the concept is we get one guy who's trusted or, or a quote unquote collector. You guys got to know he's not running the show. He's not running the behind the scenes. He's just kind of the face in front. And then we're creating these these trading applications. These, look, Card Ladder was purchased by PSA, right? I mean, that was the goal, right? Probably just the same and, way. Again, service company. And like, I I mean, the Card, card Ladder is really good. Um, yeah. I, I actually still use vcp more just because that just for ease of use because that's what i was used to but i've i've used card ladder some and i do like it but card ladder is a perfect example of a company again the service side that kind of rose up at the right time but yeah. if you think about it there were other pricing services out there who were and i'm going to call it vcp was lazy they had all the same information they just didn't make it pretty they didn't invest in ongoing technology. They stopped yeah. paying for certain of the feeds. And so like, right, all of a sudden cart, uh, cart ladder comes up and they get sold. Now, we, again, we don't, we don't know what they got out of that. Was it a good deal? Did they, were they really get rich overnight? I don't know. Um, but it, just, again, it, it was, it was that kind of, that sort of laziness of that we got so far and didn't really want to go to the next level. And the card ladder guys did that and kudos to them. Right. Well, I mean, I also heard, I also heard some of that was real cutthroat, man. Like, cause again, sports card investor. I was just about to say, he literally came into the scene. He basically took over a whole space by just like, just putting money in. He just put money into his, his branding into himself. He created his own ecosystem because and, and he saw an opportunity, you, right? Like, this is yeah, and then got sponsored by eBay. And, and I'm telling you, eBay figured out what was good about that, plugged into their website, and yeah. that was it. You know, and anyone, anyone new to the market is just getting inundated with that way, way more than they're getting inundated with the concept of collecting, right. how to collect. Uh, I do want to start heading towards that in our, in our discussion here, Dave. But you, you did mention... Have we kind of already covered the base? But you mentioned you wanted to talk a little bit more about Fanatics. We touched on V Friends, which was an interesting first move for this company that we're so many of us are so excited about and believe will be revolutionizing the industry. They brought us V Friends and a Jackass, which apparently is uh, floating somewhere in the ether. Uh, what, what did you want to mention to us when it comes yeah, to that? So, you know, a couple of things. I've seen, I've seen a brief uh a brief podcast um sport uh what was he called sports card radio or something I, like I that saw, I sports saw card it, radio it's been around for quite some time he's been around long enough to know and you know talked about 
Fanatics impact the small business in the apparel and, you know, merchandise space. Um, so if anybody hasn't seen that, you should go look at that and ju just hear him out. Hear, hear the things that he says. Um, get, get, get past some of the unsavory elements of sports card radio and there's some good stuff there. Yeah. Uh, that's the first thing I'd seen from him. So um, I wasn't tainted or otherwise influenced by any, anything else. I, but I, what he said made sense to me. Um, so, I, you know, listen. It, fanatics may redesign the collector experience for people, but I think I think folks in the hobby need to wake up that they're going to redesign that to what makes them money. Yes. Michael Rubin's not a stupid guy, and he's not spending billions of dollars. He's to not see doing it for smiles. the kids, you know. Yeah. Like he's not doing that to see smiles from <laughs> people that are at shows. <laughs> Or why do we why do we love why do we love these memes that involve Thanos collecting infinity stones? Do we remember that Thanos is a bad guy that wanted to like destroy half the world? Like but we're we're but we are apparently celebrating the concept of right. you know these like, large corporations yeah, right. gathering everything. Right. So, and so you know, look, I told you guys there are a couple of things that happened recently. So one of the things, and I, this is I think most people in the hobby kind of know this now. Fanatics will not take tickets on send-ins any longer. So if you want to get your tickets signed and it's an exclusive guy through them, I, I, my advice to you is reach out to Fanatics to sell them your tickets because, and then buy it back from them after because they're not going to let you send it in to get signed. That like for real has happened. Really? If you've been wondering where all those various Super Bowl tickets that that had mysteriously disappeared from eBay and other places over the last six to 12 months, they didn't go to Jason at OSHA Sports, okay? Fanatics was buying those tickets. If you want a Joe Montana MVP ticket, you're going to get it from Fanatics at some point here in the future. That they decide you on. You can't send it in to get it yourself anymore. Is, is thing, fanatics? Is are fanatics? Are they going to go exclusive with a, a slabbing company? Or are they going to start their own? So, are you aware they were already slabbing some yeah. of their own parts? I've seen them, yeah. but but, yeah. Again, but they, they don't have a grade on them though. They don't yeah, have they a grade on grading, them. Yeah. Right? They were grading, right? They were grading, but they were off. They were slabbing. Think about it as a a no grade, you know, no grade. I think authentic, authentic almost. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah. like I have a couple and listen, that that's been around for a long time. They've been doing that all the way back to like, I don't know, 2014, 15. So are, are they going to go in-house when it comes time to add that element to their business? So I, that's again, when I mentioned Beckett, when I think about some of these other people, wow. Like, Wow. Do they have but, everything they need to run that path uh, or do they, do they have some of the production capability and not the scalability? And is that something we're going to come that's going to come in that redesign of their collector experience? More, more infinity stones, maybe? Yes, potentially. Yes, potentially. Um, and then, you know, some of the other things they've done, um, and this is one I'm mad about. I'm actually fighting with them over. They, they've recently thrown out a rule that uh, if you send in aftermarket cards. So for me, this was important because I send in a lot of vintage stuff, right? Um, and like Ozzy Smith's and Johnny Bench's and yeah. people like that. Um, you can still send in cards, but you can't get inscriptions. 
Really? Good trust. So I can get anything else inscribed that I want, but I, I don't want that partly because it's not what I collect and it's not what I specialize in. And I got news for you. Johnny Bench has, has inscribed things kind of forever, as long as it's not stupid. But it, yeah. I mean, it's regular stuff like, yeah. you know, 72 MVP or Big Red Machine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. If you see any of my cards, you've seen this kind of stuff. Yeah. So you're not asking, you're not asking him to declare card. his love for you, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, but but even think about like with some collectors, just the, you know, because this was always popular with Mickey Mantle when he was at Upper Deck, you know, to Jimmy or happy birthday. Like you can't, what, what I'm understanding is you can't get that on cards any longer. You get it on a baseball or a photo or whatever the case may be, potentially. But so anyway, so, so that I, think, is, I think they're gearing up for like mass, like like you know, like and that's what I think is yeah. that they're they're gonna they're they're looking and and so the point of all that is to say back to why you know I had wanted to talk a little bit about that with you guys is and and this the next what I'm going to say it really applies to the hobby shop people. Right. And, 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 and cartel, you're old enough to remember, like I do the early nineties, right. When everybody was becoming a hobby shop dealer. Yeah. Right. We are reliving the nineties today, guys, because the market's gotten hot. It's been hot for two, three years. So what happened? Every people are seeing a chance to be an entrepreneur, work for themselves, go into business, have their own card shop. Right. Well, guess what fanatics and others are going to do. They don't want your business. They want your customers. Yes. And they already have all of those same customers, probably in one way or another. And so if you think as a hobby shop guy that they need you to buy 200 cases of, of, of cards, you've missed the complete point of what's going on with Zero Cool. Zero Cool is out there gathering data in these weird collectibles to figure out the pricing mechanisms that they're going to throw down on cards on, on sports cards. And they're just going to start sending that stuff direct to consumers. And you're going to, I think we're going to see the second, you know, round of this 30 years later of the card shops that poof up and within two years, they're out of business. Well, and they're going to do the same thing they've been doing with all the new releases and they're just going to give it to prominent figures to pump it up. And then people are going to get excited and they're going to want to bid on it. And it's, right. you know, like, it's well, genius, it's, but it's, we're, we're talking about like <laughs> focused points of the community, people getting together, gathering at card shops. I want, you know, I, I, I love to shout out Indie Ball Card Exchange, Burbank Cards. These are well-known stores and they represent something that goes back to the 90s and how i started collecting visiting the lcs talking to the store owner uh, right. you know friendship and community and that sort of thing so and i see so many of us with some in, some 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 are just misguided and some have certain intentions celebrating what's happening right. when on the surface what we see is there's monopolization potentially yeah. hurting the community this concept that they're pushing you to relinquish control of just about every element like collecting is collecting guys we're holding it in our hands Correct. and they're telling you we're gonna bust it out of the pack put it in this vault grade it for you sell it for you trade it for you don't even meet up with the guy down the street and talk about everything that you want to talk about just let us handle that and uh, so let's talk very quickly about the positivity versus protection in the hobby which the, which we are seeing from these big accounts right that are telling us be positive 
don't be don't be such a hater, right? People, some people will call the cartel a great source of consideration and knowledge. Some people will call me a hater. What's or going on? <laughs> you know? Um, no, I listen, I'm hundred percent with you. Um I, and look, I was I don't want to be I don't want to be like, you know, Nancy negative all the time. No one does. And and I don't, but you know, I also we know this this hobby, and it's a hobby, guys, right? It's it maybe it'll be an industry, but right now card collecting is really a hobby. Yeah. And we know from the beginning of time in this space. There have always been cheaters. There's always been scammers. You could, we could spend forever going down that list, right? And so when I talk a lot about the knowledge side, there's knowledge about products, there, but there's also knowledge of history, right? I, put a, I don't know if y'all saw it. I put a poll up on my page that, that had people vote. How many times can you deceive the hobby and still be forgiven? And there, it was nearly two thirds to one that you could make five plus deceptions in the hobby and still be forgiven. So I, and I again, voting my, on that. that was a, that was, look, I don't have a super wide cross section of collectors, but like the people that follow me, they're card collectors, they're autograph guys, there's some game use stuff. Like I get a little bit of, of I, again, I try to touch everybody a little yeah. bit. With, with some of my content. And so to me, that was really telling that if, if, if the overwhelming amount of the hobby is still approaching this thing, like it is a scam, right? How do you clean, how do you ever clean that up unless you're willing to point out and, and have some type of reasonable dialogue about what kind of should and shouldn't be okay? Because we've seen in social media so much of, a, of it, and it filtered over into the hobby, it's just about kind of extreme takes. Yeah. Like if I, can be, yeah. if I can be really silly or be really stupid or, you know, et cetera, whatever the case may be, whatever the, that extreme is that gets attention, right? There's, there's no such thing as bad press. Flux well, is the next PMG, bro. Yes. I mean, I mean you're like, <laughs> come on. And so, you know, listen, if, if the position of reasonable people is going to be, then we're not going to talk about it, then, I, then my position is going to be what it's always been, which is I vote with this. Yeah. I vote with my wallet. And if I don't like what you're doing, I don't want to spend any dollars with you. Yeah. And if the hobby would just accept that, but, I think know, we could have an impact on some of what's going to happen, right? I agree with you. I don't want remember. jackass cards. <laughs> so I'm just not going to buy them and you guys can choke on them, right? You pumped V friends and you were telling everybody about these sales that turned out being fake, but now you don't want to talk about it. Like, and listen, I'm going to be the first guy to, to compliment Josh and the team on like the, the blind Dutch auction. Fantastic. That is exactly how markets should work. Right. But what do you, what, but if you read his white paper about, you know, all the different bids and other things that came in, there's, there's a lot of kind of fiction in it. And I did some of this work. I haven't published my own paper yet. I went back and looked at it, guys, somewhere around 25 to 30% of all the bids that were put in on V friends right out of the gate 
are what you would describe as not real bids. They were like right. $20 a box or $30 a box. Really? Right? I have to go back and look at my, and I'll put those stats out there. Yeah. But I was coming to the conclusion of like, well, a lot of what Josh was describing was really kind of this small set of bidders, right? The overwhelming amount of bidders, they just weren't real. But yeah. we're counting them like they're real because we got to get to a big number yeah. because yeah. that's what people are impressed by. And well, so it speaks it speaks to how easy it is to manipulate the this data, yes. highly yes. unregulated market. Yeah. And yes. how easy it is to, you know, it's just everything's kind of working in a cycle here because now now we have this concept of popular hobby influencers that did not exist right. even three, four years ago. Right. A right. lot of them are nice people we may have met in real life uh, who we maybe develop a sense of trust toward, but then we, we seem to forget human nature and the power of the dollar. And you can kind of amass quite a stable of supporters. Uh, I like to say to myself that I, I won't sell out, but who's to say, if, and by the way, if, if it's a product I believe in, sure, I'll sell out. But I, I just, I see a lot of people that are just selling out for the sake of selling out. I used to make a joke, Dave, that even Bill Mastro could potentially one day be uh, re rehabilitated in this hobby, and then I come to see. But him he again. actually could. That's how he was. Yeah. Protein you know, had it. Uh, yeah. You know, but but like you said, no. Guys, but does he? He he's come back though, isn't he? Doing something now? Okay, but but I'm, but Brandon, I'm not going to say he's been rehabilitated yet. No, no, no. That's I know, but he's he's, he's, he's easing his way back though. No, he, isn't he? He is. He is. He's, point, he's, been, he's been, been forgiven enough to be able to come back, and it's Vanessa. like, guy. Come on. He's easing guys, his way back. Day, he went to jail, day, bro. He went to jail. He went yeah, to jail, day, man. We have to remember every day, Brendan, <laughs> we, we just we just went to one of the first um, local shows since <laughs> Toronto opened up. And it was mind-blowing. It was packed. Am I right? I told you it was going to be rammed. Right. Bro. So we have to remember every day we're getting more waves of collectors into this hobby slash industry. And like Dave mentioned, that's right. At the end of the day, look, first of all, just mention it at a family gathering and you'll find out if it's a hobby or an industry. Yeah. Um, but that being said, this is where the car, the friendly neighborhood cartel comes in. I'm there to be that guy to talk about right. some of these elements to people that are coming in. Right. Because the first thing they're being exposed to is Jeff Wilson's face. For yeah. better or for worse. I'm not saying he's not a good looking guy. I'm trying to say that he's the face. And uh, they're gonna they're gonna see. And he erased the video. He erased the video that he posted early on that said defiantly to everyone in the hobby, "Yes, I'm here for the money." He yeah. said that, and then erased the video so we couldn't see it anymore. But that well, that knowledge that needed to exist, and it should still be out there. Because guess what? Jeff's still here for the money, bros. Right. He's not here to educate you. He's but here to I always found the funny. services he's selling. I always found it funny. Isn't the opening to his videos like I, I, I've invested in multiple companies? And I think like, he so, changed so that you've too. Met, you've invested I'm in fairly failed. He changed that companies. as well. <laughs> um, yes. So yeah. Anyways, let's. So you know, speaking. So again, the the false the the the, the point with some of the, the the false positivity is to please avert your gaze, right? Yeah. So yeah. again, and the same thing with those HGA posts. People basically outright said to me, "You know what, cartel? If you don't like it, mind your own business." And I'm like, well, I know some people who have used this service or considering right. using this service. Right. I want to talk about it. Don't tell me what to do. Um, that's the whole point. As in, in as much you, as you can manipulate things to one side, you can very easily start to talk about the other side. That's, again, an advantage we have in social media. We can start talking about 
deeper issues like who's going to wind up owning Twitter and that sort of thing. But it's about communication and, and getting all those sides out there. I think unless, unless people are willing to educate themselves and to, to hear the other side, like hear the other side, no matter how hard we try to like make the hobby a better place. And, and that's not to say that we shouldn't, right? Like, I mean, we should always be available to help new people in the hobby if they're willing to, to listen. If they're not chasing dollar signs and ripping, you know, $1,200 prison boxes upon release because they want you know a one of one of a card that's been out for 25 years, right. you know, that, like that is if, such if, they're, if they're willing point. to listen, then that's like such I'm there, point. right? Um, but so many people most are of not them don't give a flying fuck and they, they just want to try to make as much cash as they can because it's cool. You're right. No, well, hold on. Not because it's cool, because they're looking at Jeff Wilson and they want yeah. to be that guy. Now, right. but that's a, such an important point is that not yeah. everyone wants to learn. But but look, Coach Co gets enough guys in his DMs asking about soccer cards. They want to learn. Well, they, they want, want no, no. They want to know who to invest in. They're like, yeah. I, who okay. do I invest maybe in? I'm wrong. Like, okay, like, maybe I'm wrong. On, but... man. What do you mean? Like, the, go, go look at all the guys who have won Ballon d'Ors over the years. You know, look at the guys from the last 40 years that have won the best player of all time, you know, okay. and it's find the rookie stickers. You've won all their cards. And find well, the rookie look, stickers I... and fucking, there's no such thing as a parallel, by the way, if you're looking at their rookies, the rookies, there's no such thing as a parallel. Okay. So you're going to go, you're going to go find a sticker from fucking the, 19, the, the... 1982. And... Uh, if he doesn't shine at me and it's not real number to 10 or less, I'm out. Sorry. Oh, that's, but, it doesn't have an RC logo. It can't be a rookie, you know, like, uh, the, right? Like, imagine, point, imagine people navigating the space back then where there's no fucking RC logos, man. There's no, right, sure. you know, there's no indication whatsoever that this is their first card of any kind. Right. What do you do? Right. The, the point I'm trying to make, though, is that that quote Coach Cope pointed out is I, I, I do get guys in my DMs that want to learn. They're like, before I make any big move. I right. want to learn some basics. That's but how I yes, But there is also the group of people that don't care. They it's just okay. want to get in there. They it's want to rip velocity. a box of prism. Yeah, it's just velocity. I've got velocity. And I feel bad for that. I, I it, just, it, I got it never goes well. It never goes well. My fingers hope to die. What right? boxes should I rip? Yeah. Right. So no, the, the, answer, the right answer to that question is you shouldn't rip any box. None. Correct. Absolutely fucking none. <laughs> if you're um, asking me what you should be ripping, then the answer is fucking none. You know? Right. I'll tell now, you what I want to If you're going to rip anything, because I had a fun purchase. Like, I'll show it off when he gets in. I bought a 91 Merlin uh, Italian wrestling box That's cool. out of Italy last week. I can't wait to get it in. Like, I've never seen one actually in the box. I have tons of the packs, yeah. but I've never seen it in, actually in the box. I have one coming. Like if is you, that the yellow '90s looking background? They're white. They're the white borders. Uh, that's the Undertaker rookie cards. Okay. Uh, See, were, that's going to be a ton of fun to rip because you can also just kind of like imagine yourself. So I, I probably won't because I've got a stack of those cards. But like, if you were going to do something, that's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, you'd never see it again, and for under a thousand bucks, like, you know, sure. why not take a shot? Um, but it's crazy because you're like, I can get something from 30 years ago that I'll never find again, or I can get something that they they have 300,000 cases of, you know, like 300,000 cases of. No, I mean, it's that's a you you hit it on the head. I bought that box for a third 
of what a current prism box of wrestling costs. And I'm right. going to, I'm, I'm comfortable in my decision. Now, now that we're talking about super obscure and silly stuff, like pro wrestling and soccer, <laughs> um, let's talk about, let's talk about some more positive aspects. And I think positivity comes in just talking about the hobby and cards themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about set collecting because Dave's got some uh, awesome concepts there and, uh, and oddball cards, like for example, uh, the one that set it off for oddball cards, which would be Mars attacks. Ooh, yes. Anytime okay. a damsel is in distress, those are the key cards. Okay. Um, nice. And uh, <laughs> how, about, how about a Lando? Yeah. A Lando Calrissian rookie who is yeah. cooler than Billy D. Williams? I'm not sure. Maybe Shaft. But uh, um, I can name one card from that set that's actually one of my top two uh, favorite non-sports cards. The golden okay. rod. I mean, if you're going to collect Lando, different set, different set. This is Empire. This okay. is Empire. The Star Wars set, the green border, correct? Yeah. That's one of the alongside the Bill Ripken, alongside. Yeah. I mean, those are the best examples actually in the era, right? Yeah. Because it was later on the hoops cards and that sort of thing. The right. golden rod C3PO is uh, so I, own, I literally own like 20 or 22 copies of it. Like I, I just decided that if they ever come up in any of these other auctions, I'm, I'm gonna win it. You're cornering the goldenrod market. That's cornering a portion of the goldenrod market. Yeah, that's correct. Interesting. And it's funny that Star Wars ended up uh, with Disney. I, I don't know if you remember the, uh, the Little Mermaid. Yeah. The chess box. The Mermaid had goldenrod on it as well. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, really? It's pretty, <laughs> pretty distracted graphic designers. Um, oh. Talk to me about the set building because you touch yeah. on one of the most important things I keep telling people now. We just we just pish poshed breaking, but there is yeah. an advantage to breaking. There's an advantage to learning about sets and elements of the sets, and you bring up an even better way to do it. Yeah. So you, you know when I th again going back to when I originally collected um, in the in the mid '80s. Right. There were two things that, that most collectors did at that time. You either put the full set together and or you player collected. That's really what people did. Um, and so fast forward into kind of COVID era of collecting, like set collecting had not really been a thing. And, and I was trying to tell some guys, some of these, some of these, you know, younger guys, early 30s had money. They were setting off the nostalgia form again. I kept telling him look, if you like the graded cards, why don't you see if there's some stuff that you could set collect? And they were, no, that's terrible. You, and you still hear people say all the time now, you don't get your money out of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the set collecting that I ended up doing from a graded card standpoint um, was 1950s baseball. And I wasn't alive then. I didn't see any of those guys play, but there are iconic, really golden era. cards in that era, right? Um and, and so for me, the 56 Tops was a set that really spoke to me personally because it, it kind of incorporated everything I liked about cards. It has a great action shot of every player with a portrait of their face on yeah. it and a facsimile autograph. Like for a guy like me, tick, tick, tick. And yeah. so I put together that entire set. It took, me, it took me over five years to put the entire set together in PSA 8. And what I've told people around set collecting like that is it forces you to really get to know the set 
and what's going on with it and who the key cards are, right? Because like the stars are always available. It's these other guys where there's like a, uh, you know, this kind of hobby mystery about why some of the cards may be harder to find than others. And and like even in even in 86 basketball, right? People are always chasing that Johnny Moore because yes. it's got in a couple of the other commons because it has this sort of mystique about it. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you go look at pop reports, it's not as mysterious as people want to make it out to be. So there, but you know, again, markets can re- people can remain irrational. Yeah. And so can markets. But, but but a big driving point there is that there there first of all, I know personally for the first time in my life, several 86, 87 set collectors. And they're going to battle it out because they're looking to get sets all in a 10, all in a nine, all right. in an eight. Yep. Yep. So yep. they're going to battle that out when that pops up. What you saw there was the result of a legitimate bidding war, which can happen. For sure. Is, For uh, sure. When people talk about eBay auctions, uh, I mean, I certainly use buy it now best offer more, more often, but if you yep. got the right card, you want to encourage bidding. hundred percent. And it, but you know, for me, from that value perspective, do you, I mean, do you feel like Johnny Moore is more valuable than, I don't know, George Gervin or like no. insert? Yeah. So that's my point. And again, yeah. you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, sometimes small supply, but you know, when you're, when you're talking small supply to me, that's not cards that are numbered in the fifties, sixties, eighties, a hundred. It's like, unless it's like a 1914 Cracker Jack Ty Cobb, where there's like literally only 50 of them in any, any numbered PSA case, right? Like if you're looking for a 10 of Johnny Moore, I don't remember how many there are, but there's enough. Um, But you know, people paying crazy amounts of dollars for that kind of stuff. But, but back to the concept of doing that set collecting, what it, what it allows you to do is kind of ebb and flow with the market over time. Right. And so like some of my best purchases, putting that 56 top set together, weren't my mantle and my maids. It was like my Don Larson. It was like my, you know, Ed Garcia. Yeah. It was guys that like, you know, no one's really player collecting, but you got to finish the set. That's crazy. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is it, I learned a lot about something that I didn't know anything about. And that, that gives me knowledge that I can actually trade on within the hobby. Yeah. The second thing that it does, it keeps me in the game, right? So if I'm if I'm constantly chasing four and five figure Mickey Mantles, like my mail is gonna suck because I'm not independently wealthy yeah. to keep doing that. But yeah. guess what? I can win 19, like right now I'm working on a 55 set. A couple times a week, another 55 PSA six rolls through my door at you know 1450 delivered. And I I mean if I opened a box today of that stuff, how many of them are really even going to grade six, seven, eight? It's right? true. I mean, the quality wasn't great awesome. out of the box, man. Yes. Like... So, so at some point, right, there's massive value in chasing that. To And, it, and it, it really does speak, I think, to the heart of collectors. It gets you back to why you wanted to collect in the first place, because the cards are actually cool. It's just a bonus that they may be worth something, but if you do it right, you can get 
these things that maybe other people don't value the right way, but partly because it hasn't been packaged the yeah. right way. Well, and, that, that, and that's ultimately what, what I was talking about with the tickets, right? Like, it's just a matter of like how it's packaged, like straight up. Like, is it, it, it people, again, they're just not, they don't want to put in the effort. They don't want to put in the time and the knowledge. And like, if you put in that work, I've, I've spoken about this many times with Cartel. You ultimately get paid in this hobby for putting in the work that right. other people aren't willing to put in, as well as taking gambles that other people aren't willing to take, right? And Plain it, and it, simple. That's so why you get right paid. Now. So you much know? of it right now is the gamble. Right? But like, it doesn't like, have to just be, it could be like an educated move. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. it doesn't have to be a complete crapshoot. Right. But you know, and also, like, I, one, one, more, one more modern parallel on this, right? Like think about the guys that think about the guys that put those PMG sets together, right? That did it before everybody knew that they were doing yes. it. Yeah. You don't yeah. think you don't yeah. think I mentioned that a lot. You don't think they get a freaking home run? Yeah, man. I, I mentioned the, the guys that were doing that in 2018, 2019. The Marvel, uh, Marvel also, guys, you tell Marvel, me. Marvel, had the that guys for... that were putting together the PMG sets on Marvels five years ago. They yeah. were yeah, now guess what? And and hopefully some of them can get cashed out on time because that's another market that's like they're eating right now, you know. Down. Like, but even if they don't, imagine how much they spent. They like, had so much. They, they must have spent like fifty place, bucks right. on Marvel PNGs back in the yeah. day. You can sell yeah. one for like eight hundred dollars raw right now. Like, no, I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you about some of these prices. I saw these guys how little they paid for the hockey PMGs. I believe oh, it. Back yeah. in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um, I just want to add to the the, the set building uh, thread there. Is, and I think you already, I think you did mention it, just learning about the sets, you're, there's going to be a tremendous advantage when you know more about the product and all the little details, all the condition sensitivities um, yeah. than the average person. And that only comes through getting through the product one way or the other, whether you're sorting a set, breaking it, 9091 OPG Premier, Dave's not going to get this, it is sort of the 86, 87 Fleer at a much lower market value for the hockey world. Every second card is a rookie card, right? Now, yeah. our, one of our favorite local cynics on IG, Batnob Cursive, I have to throw his name out there, uh, which comes from the, the Billy Ripken uh, card, the 89 Fleer. Um, he, I believe, is building a PSA set registry set in PSA 10 of the Premier cards. So think about this. You know, the Jagger popped off a couple of years ago. Medano had his time in the sun. Anytime, if someone decides Ty Domi, which I think they will at some point, is a worthy cult status player he's in the set and he's going to have this complete set psa 10s of all of these rookies some of them are very obscure some of them didn't have uh didn't have other uh, as on vogue rookies in that year um and i just think that's amazing and that's also kind of the you know the epitome of, of collecting not only are you building yeah. the set you're building the finest yeah. set that you can put together. and again like like we were talking a little bit about right you can always, you can normally always find the stars. And so how do you, you know, I talk a lot about trying to build equity. That, that's what he says. Stars. That's, that's the difficulty. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's how do you build equity in your collection? Well, yeah. one of the things that some of these sets gives you the ability to do is to buy the second, third and fourth tier guys essentially on sale when you may have to pay market or relative full price on a star but once i've packaged all that together yes, yeah. right and i think about the concept of my price per card or how i even want to just allocate it across the different cards now i've 
I've diversified my risk in some, in a way across this bigger cross section that still has yeah. a tie together from the set perspective. You almost like dollar cost average down. Yeah, you know? Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. And listen, I've started talking to a couple of the auction houses about listing some stuff and like guys, the conversations I had last week, they were as excited about the sets as they were some of my individual tobacco cards. And I was shocked, but they were like, no, 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 no. We have people asking us for this stuff all the time. Really? And I'm like, really? Because, because it's such a time saving yeah. for someone to just say, hey. I mean, you save a decade, you know what I mean? Like decade, two decades, like, man. Yes, like, they're like, hey, for, even, well, even if you I have mean, the money, like it needs to come yes, up. Yes, they're like, for 70 grand, I can buy the entire like 69 tall boy basketball set with Kareem's rookie and all these other hall of famers. And it's all PSA eight. Cause like PSA nine is the best you could do. And yeah. they're like, yeah, I'll just do that. Like done. Yeah. So here's a, here's a question for you. This is me taking a, a, a three pointer late in the fourth quarter here in the podcast. I'm just throwing it out there. The, the one time I accumulated the tobacco cards are amazing. They are these little pieces of history that I still to this day don't understand why they don't get more attention. Only other than the fact that we're we're lazy, we like sparkly things, the young people have no concept. However, back in 2000, they're not numbered. Accumulating some T206s towards the 100 year anniversary, expecting a this, and I got a. Yeah. What happened there? Why did that not happen in the 100 year? Was it just not a good time in the hobby? Back in, actually probably was, right? 2009 was not a good time. Yeah, probably not a great time in the hobby. And then I just don't think that, well, you know, tobacco cards and even vintage in general, guys, I think is, continues to kind of be associated with that old hobby guard, right? It's the- I suppose, yeah. I just, I feel like we should all be worshiping at the altar of the T206s. Yeah, and I mean, let's old guy and me speaking. I don't know. You, I mean, you, I don't understand why we pay the prices we do for Zion, but not Shaq. But well, and I, I, that's what I think too. Like, it, but if, if I want an autograph, Joe Burrow, I can go find it. Like today, you know what, guys, I feel like I feel like that kind of discipline and logic comes with time in the hobby, and we have to be like, what percentage of the hobby at large, and the the people in that room we were in, Brendan, at the hotel for that card show. That started sounding sketchy for a second there when I started talking about being in a hotel room with Brendan. But like, that, that, that I, don't I, like, I don't remember this. So. What percent? I, I made sure you wouldn't remember it. Uh, <laughs> what, what percentage? What percentage of the people in that hall, not the room, which was after the hall, uh, what percentage of those people have been around for more than two years in this hobby? That should can't freak you out when you're an experienced and collector in that situation. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like how many of those people have had the time to think about what you just said? Why am I putting so much money into Zion when Shaq is right there and there's a lot of cool cards? Tim Duncan, dirt cheap, like dirt cheap. It's funny because when I entered the hobby in the late 90s, that's the first thing when I came when I came like back into the hobby, I was like, what the fuck is with these prices? I'm like, what is I don't understand. That's funny. I was like, I Luka remember- Doncic, and that's why I stayed away from ultra modern basketball because I'm like, I don't respect these these players enough to to give like how how and again like if you collect no disrespect like you know you do your thing if 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 it fits within your budget and you're okay with that risk that's cool but I'm like it just doesn't make any sense to me you know it really when you- like. 
It just doesn't at all. Well, you think about how the evolution of your collecting, because I, I talk to people a lot about that, you, you know, and I, especially some of the guys that still collect mostly ultra modern. When I show them some of this vintage stuff, they're like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. And they're like, well, how many are there? And you're like, well, they're not serial numbered, but there's only X number in this grade. And, and they do, they get interested for a minute. But then, yeah. it, then I think just the difficulty of sourcing it, yeah. like the attention span won't sit with them long enough. But I think back about, I mean, listen, all of us, when we started collecting cards, we were collecting mostly the cards that were coming out, yeah. the modern stuff yeah. of the time. Right. It That's wasn't fair. until later when I was, when I realized, oh, That's true. Like, I really should be collecting yeah, yeah, yeah. here. And so, yeah. you know, where are we at in that wave of current collecting you know, broadly within the hobby, I, because everybody knows vintage is done well too. But yeah. when you when you start kind of stacking up, you, you know, historical significance, pop reports, availability, you know, comparing prices, like quality, you know, like it really starts. It'll it it will start singing to some people the value that still exists in particular pieces of it i um, agree with you I, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of like it's just a matter of the market realizing and and, and like it, it, it if whoever's making plays that other people aren't talking about are the ones who are going to be rewarded right like i mean it's plain brendan, and simple. brendan when you called me in whatever it was late 2019 2020 yeah tell me your intentions on re-entering the hobby i don't know if you recall this but there was no product at the stores whatever product no, was nothing. there was insanely nothing even if it was base, uh, Prism Retail was available at $1,500. The Ronald Acuna Update PSA 10 was trading at over 300 US dollars as a result of Gary V. by the way. We've not forgotten that. And uh, I just want to throw this out there. I don't want to pump your uh, tires too much. but That's okay. I am, I am proud of Coach Co. not only having gone through what I think is a period of like, it's like a painful entrance uh, man, it, potentially in the hotel room, uh, that, that so many new entrants have to deal with in this hobby and you got past it and you, you've become quite, um, you've become quite slick with, with, with plays and that sort of thing. My and, subs and, are and, coming and, back and, and like, see, I'm even impressed by some of them. I'm like, see, damn, bro. Dave I'm like, yo, I sent that in a year ago, bro. All right. I was like, Dave, okay. Dave and, I, Dave and I had a very innocent, um, uh, you know, beginning in the hobby. Whereas like it was hostile quite yeah. frankly, when yeah. you re-entered it, I mean, I remember we took some trips to 401 games years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. but like, you, we're talking like 15 years it, ago though. Like oh, yeah, when you re-entered like, it, guys, I see it as a hostile environment for new entrants yeah. and you managed to make it through and you're doing really well. Um, and, and you're, and cause, cause I see a lot of people potentially what will happen is when the money that they think is going to come in is not coming in and they realize they don't actually like this cardboard yeah. and plastic. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's what it came, comes down to. And that's what it came down to. Was like, I'm like, I don't, understand like what's happening right now and like I, as i was going i was like okay like I'm, I'm learning this i'm learning this this doesn't make any sense to me like i'm gonna research why this why that and then i just gravitated towards like hockey and soccer which is what i fucking love and conveniently yeah, like new like soccer was like the like no one was even talking about it anyway so i was like this is really cool i can rip packs that i actually used to rip as a kid from yeah. like 2004 euro and, and for like looks, 80 my, bucks for a box and i can get yeah. like I, some of the players that i grew up watching and like also the pop counts are stupid low on them so i'm like okay fine like 15 bucks i'll send a bunch of these things in like 
Was the worst that's, that's the happen? most important point is you went with what you loved and yeah, you, well, you were I, I noticed you were distracted a little bit at the beginning you were distracted a little bit i mean it's really hard not to you know you come in and, and i'm like all of a sudden i'm buying like like uh verdugos and like like byron buxton that. you know and i'm like you you bought you, you bought every you bought you know? every numbered Giannis card that i had you bought it you came over and bought it so. yeah yeah well i mean i ended up flipping them all though <laughs> like, that's, that's true i was that's like true. see you later you know i was out of here so, so on that note, let's wrap up with that because you, you you brought in the, the fateful letters, PMG. Let's wrap up with what the hell went on with that and the oddball market, which is such an interesting market because it's enjoy- like, I love it. I love this stuff. Uh, here's, here's my Gene Simmons rookie card. I have the yes, only one. Yes, yes. I have the only one. It's, it's, the, it's the highest grade. There he is. There's Gene. Um, I love it, but it is... Again, because it's kind of uh, novel and uh, a new pursuit for people, easily manipulated. Let's talk about these. What the hell happened with the PMGs? What's going on with the Marvel PMGs? And let's yeah. talk about oddball cards. So I, I think what's happening with Marvel PMGs was just, um, and I've been, I, I have had a number of DMs with some people that know a lot more about it than I do. I'm, I'll be the first to admit I'm not super educated on them. Um, I think a lot of what happened with the Marvel PMGs was some of the people that couldn't be involved in the sports PMGs, yeah. finding them and thinking, here's a chance to cross over yeah. and that there will be crossover appeal with these because they're PMGs. Um, and my experience at the previous couple of card shows was that, you know, they got, that stuff got hot and every sale was trying to top the the previous sale and the previous sale and the previous sale, and, but it that was a flipper exercise, right? That wasn't a grab and hold. Yeah, right. So yeah. I think as now prices are starting to come down, you're hearing the narrative change to no, no, no. The buyers are buying and holding. Well, because um, there's supply now, right? Like, and yeah, there's, there's, like, that's not. That's, yeah. I don't. Do you? How many do you own? I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a Marvel guy anyway. Well, I'm, not like, I'm, I'm not a Marvel guy, you know, like I don't, I don't, I don't care for Marvel concept, right? Like you do, you do appreciate the idea of like the IP of it and that like, yeah, you, it's, you know, and they're cool looking cards, you know, like no one's very cool looking cards. Yeah. No one's dressing up as happy Potamus on Halloween this no. year, but they're going to be millions of kids dressed up as spider-man in the yeah. hall yeah but i, I like I, to remind people there are comic books and slabs that they're at the actual source yeah. material and that was why the, you wouldn't have caught me trying yeah. to dabble in that and moment. that that was something i said too is i was like i just don't know that i can believe the cards are going to be a play when it's really the comics are the thing now i was like that doesn't mean there can't be a segment yeah i don't believe that there can be a segment for numbered to 50 Wolverines that grade out at PSA seven for 40 grand when I can actually just buy the magazine in whatever decent condition for, I don't know, 10, 15, something, I don't know, yeah. but yeah. Like, that, that's the research again, yeah. lack of knowledge yeah. I need to get it to really kind of solidify my thoughts. But no, I, I just think well, that's, yeah, that's because you have you have a baseline, right? You're you're yeah. using something else to, as a measuring stick, right? Yeah. And most people are just like, yeah. oh, like I guess that's what it costs because it's yeah. rare, right? Like, you, you, you can artificially 
you can artificially yeah. create FOMO, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. FOMO can be yeah. created within a few yeah. within a week, right? Well, I mean, most of the big sales happened as a result of like big movie releases, like the Spider Man No yeah. Way Home was huge, yeah. and that's yeah. that uh, red PMG Spider Man that was like color matched. Well, it absolutely exploded, right? It, like it was a perfect time, perfect place, right? And then the Avengers started just rolling out, right? So, yeah, I mean, you're in a beauty contest. That was what I told the guy in my DMs. I said, you're talking about a beauty contest. And I was like, I just don't know that people are going to believe these are still the, the, you know, Miss Universes of Marvel cards. 10 years from now why are they why is it not the 70s cards or the even like the early 90s marvels like you like i guys high graded holograms from 90 and 91 are way harder to they're like impossible right yeah they're impossible wouldn't um so yeah we have a, we have the pro set stanley cup uh, in the hockey market that hologram um yeah. what, what about pissing contests between wealthy and look can, can i just put this out there there are some wealthy guys out there perhaps you know some dave i mean there's lots love to have cool stuff and they have a lot of expendable income which is you know hard to come by these days for most people and they want to own cool stuff that's a little bit off the beaten path because everyone's got you know assigned uh mickey mantle baseball whether it's real or not depending on if you got it from uncle kenny uh that sort of thing but um you know isn't it a pissing contest like i've got my spider-man numbered out of five do you and then it becomes a pissing contest that's probably a real thing too isn't it oh, I mean, it's 100 a real thing right it's it's you know some of the cards uh you know that's what it is it's easier to show that off than to try to get into you know showing off a a Lamborghini or a, you know, I don't know, a, a Steve McQueen Rolex or. You know, the cool thing, the cool thing with cards is you can do both, right? You can get roll, yeah. the Rolex is here while you're, I see a lot of that. Yeah. Um, what about, what about the rest? What about, what about these markets, Dave? What, so what about, I, you know, I think, I think that as the authentication has come around and I think that, um, I think as some of that stuff gets a little bit better exposure, I mean, I, I do think people may get into collecting some of it. I mean, I certainly have. You guys have probably seen. I collect a lot of president's stuff. And one, yeah. of, one of my big purchases in the last month was that William McKinley uh, from 32 uh, Caramel. Um, look, I, I think that the old, I think stuff like some things. Jimmy I Carter? Just, Are you into Jimmy Carter? You know, you just stole my I, I was Jimmy pretty, Carter line. I know, yeah, he, he got you. I, I was pretty flush on Jimmy Carter before that became a move. So I, I you, you got, know, you got it. Was like, a very, like, very early adopter on that front. Let's be frank. Uh, I think there's something wrong with you if you're stockpiling index cards signed by Jimmy effing carter uh well, I, now i mean cartel it depends on what they cost because i yeah. like I bought at one but of the I, come on. are, are we not considering the individual's popularity and significance in history i mean i know your buddy patrick mentioned that as well like uh, president I mean, is one thing which president yeah i mean look when and i by was the way, by the way that that fluctuates that fluctuates as well talk to me about collecting that. bush stuff in 2005 versus Bush Jr. stuff today, today. right? I mean, if well, yeah. well, I listen, talk about collecting Bill Clinton stuff until the last four or five years. Yeah. 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 Um, 
And look, I mean, I, I think I think Obama stuff is great, partly because there's just it, there's not a ton of it out there. Yeah. But, you know, he's listen, he's still got a long way to go. He's running with some people that, you know, kind of tend to be a little polarizing at times. I mean, and it only takes one or two really one or two things to be taken out of context. Not even just saying that, that that's the yeah. one thing I take that context yeah. to really turn people a different direction, right? Yeah. And I, I would put that out there to any of our listeners or anyone in general who is considering some of this stuff. In the climate we're in this day and age, everyone is becoming every public yeah. figure is to a degree becoming polarizing. Yeah. And I do often think about that whenever I am kind of inclined to maybe make an investment here or there. Is right. that you're going to, you're going to face these really interesting, look, anyone I mean, can get canceled overnight. You know, overnight, like, right, right. overnight. I don't want to offer an opinion here uh, as, as, as much as I love opinions. LeBron is in the news in this way and that way here and there. And it's something that sticks in the back of my head. When I think about the LeBron market, I'm just going to put that out there because no well, one talks so, about it. So to tie that back to a previous thing we talked about, when I collect the presidents, I'm set collecting boys. <laughs> I'm that's true set of baseballs signed by each of the presidents as far back as i can get because you know what double when, down baby when bill clinton's not in favor anymore but you know gerald ford is like <laughs> or george bush is doing great now but his dad not so much but or joe biden like you see what i'm saying like I there, there are ride. simpsons there are Simpsons episode with it, and look, they're not. Ronald Reagan isn't signing any more baseballs. I don't care how you feel about him, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm I am set collecting. Or speaking of LeBron, this is the way I tell people to do it. If you're not really sure what to do with LeBron, do this: buy PSA ten and all of his Chrome rookies, right? And I know the first one's super expensive, but run the other ones down, like because if he's always going to have a historical significant place in basketball and you're not really sure what to do put together like a an eight or ten card run of, and i get it they're base chrome cards and everybody hates base right now okay i'm telling that's you that's the flavor of the month right now yes, you know? that's right and 10 years from now yeah. someone's gonna want that yes. because say i don't have the time and effort to go try and run down these 10 or 12 cards just sell them all to me right now done right I, and it, so it's, also say I'd also say all of them are like a Simpsons episode or a biopic away from a boom of some sort. Yes, yes, yes. It works both ways, right? And what I, I, I accuse you guys sometimes of being too reasonable. And it's because I think what I hear is a lot of kind of risk management and risk mitigation. <laughs> right? And, and, but I'm the, same, I'm the same way. Well, and, and that's because I'm, we're telling, I mean, it's, it's mainly like trying to educate people on like, I don't give a shit if you take risks because if you're buying something you actually fucking like, because it's not a risk though. Like, it's not really like, if you just think it's cool and you know, maybe it goes up, maybe it doesn't, but like, it's just fucking cool. Then who cares? Right. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it makes no difference. Bank. Yeah. If it doesn't break the bank. So whatever, what? exactly. Whatever you're paying for it. Like, and even then. I would still suggest if people are talking about it, then you wait a little bit till people aren't talking about it. If you still want to own it and then see if you actually want to own it. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like how much of what we want to own is because the, the market tells us like, this is cool. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's the whole risk management aspect of it. Cause otherwise, man, I, I've bought, I bought stickers from Italy without knowing they were real, bro. Like thousands of dollars. Yeah. 
because I trusted a random dude in Italy, whether I know it's real. I sent them to PSA. We'll see what happens. It was from a credible source, but like, yeah. you know, like talk about risk management. That's pretty goddamn stupid, you know, yeah. but I did my research and I looked at like what the sticker should look like. And I've, I've held some in my hand and I'm like, you know what? I'll take my chance on this. I got videos. Again, you know what that's the knowledge side, right? You didn't just do that on a whim. No. You got educated first. Yeah. And then like yeah. you said, you made a, you've made a, a, at least somewhat educated purchase that has a chance on it. But, you know, if it and if it works out, it works out. But that's good for you, partly for knowing about it, but also partly for putting in the work and finding the card and having it shipped to you from halfway around the world, right? Also part of the experience, in my opinion, yeah. you know, like, and, and, and to be fair, like, I'm okay. Like, I don't want to get burned, but like, you know, you live and learn. And then like, all of a sudden, you're now you know what to look enough, for. You're gonna get you know, burned. like, everyone's so scared of making a bad play. And that's why people are like, who should I invest in? I'm like, just fucking do something and then you'll learn from that and then you just keep going, you know? It helps you, it yeah. helps you refine your interest. And yes. get you Guys, on, on that note, uh, it's a special day for me today and I have a lot of Prism, F, I have F1, Prism WWE and Prism UFC to rip tonight, guys. So wow. uh, it's been it's been a wonderful pleasure. My phone's about to die as well, nice. guys. Okay. Uh, but Dave, I want to thank you again for joining us. Obviously, we could go on and on. I think we Unbelievable covered some, episode. I, I think we covered some great bases today. Yeah, I and uh, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll need to do this again for sure. It was for a sure. lot of fun. All right, yeah. team. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and I hope you show signed and slabbed on Instagram. I'll drop it in the comment section. Uh, a warm welcome, please and thank you. Have yourselves a wonderful rest of your day. Coach Co, out.